such sweet music. Good morning. It's so fun to be here. My very first sermon. So very exciting. <laughs> so have you ever considered that in all of creation, only human beings struggle with the issue of identity? Now think about this. A sunflower is never tempted to be a tulip or a rose. It doesn't face complicated decisions about becoming a sunflower. What color should my petals be? Or should I stand tall today or drop seeds? And the same is true for fish and birds, trees, mountains, rivers. All bring glory to God by being exactly what they are, what they're created to be. So we're in this series called Whispers from the Heart, and today we're going to talk about just how to live our lives in a way that's as congruent as the life of the sunflower. You see, you are God's beloved in whom his favor rests. Now this word beloved is kind of a churchy word, I get it, um, but there's a story behind this word for me. Um, when I was in seminary, I took a course from Howard Baker, who's part of our community, and he gave us an assignment. And the assignment was to look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, which is the part of Scripture where God promises the faithful a new name. So he asked us to look over our story and go before the Lord and pray. So to give you an example, a friend of mine whose life was marked by worry and anxiety in her relationship with Christ, she battled that and she had victory over it. And so she felt like God changed her name from warrior to warrior. Another friend who had suffered some pretty deep emotional wounds as a child received healing through Jesus and a call to healing ministry. And his new name was the Wounded Healer. So you get the idea. So I sat down and I wrote out my story and really thought about that, how my life had changed since I started following Jesus. And I went to God in prayer. And I said, God, what is my new name? And here's what I heard. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved. Be loved. Now, as awesome as that sounds, I have to say I was a little bummed out because I mean, let's face it, God loves all of us, right? We learn that from a young age. We sing songs about it in Sunday school. So I was like, okay. But what God revealed is that my identity and my worth were not deeply rooted in the fact that I am God's beloved daughter. And in fact, it was rooted in the things that I did and how well I did them. So I prided myself on being this high-capacity person who could keep a lot of plates spinning and a lot of balls in the air at all times. And anyone who lives life that way knows that it's inevitable that the plates are going to come crashing down at some point. And when they did, I would begin to kind of question my worth and feel like I wasn't enough. And so, with that, perhaps some of you are in a similar place this morning. Perhaps you're looking to something other than God for your value or your identity. Maybe your job or your kids. Maybe your athletic ability or your social status. Our value and identity 
cannot be in outward circumstances or accomplishments. Because if they are, what happens when the circumstances change? When the accomplishments flatline? I'm an athlete until I blow my knee out and I can no longer compete. I'm a successful businessman until the business tanks and I'm left jobless. I'm a husband or a wife until my marriage disintegrates and ends in divorce. You see, our value and our identity need instead to be rooted in the truth that we are created and deeply loved by God. If you've been around church for a while, you might recognize this word beloved from the story of Jesus' baptism in the Gospels. So let's take a look at those. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The message version puts it this way, This is my Son, chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. Love that. So you might say, of course, Jesus was God's beloved son. He lived a sinless life, completely obedient and surrendered to the Lord. But I am here to tell you that in the same way, you too are beloved by God. (sighs) Author and psychologist David Benner puts it this way. God is head over heels in love with you. God is simply giddy about you. He just can't help loving you. And he loves you deeply, recklessly, and extravagantly, just as you are. God knows that you're a sinner, but your sins do not surprise him, nor do they reduce in the slightest his love for you. Is this your image of God? When you imagine him looking at you, do you see the face of one who loves you deeply and extravagantly, just as you are? The scriptures tell the same story. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, for that is who we are. That's 1 John 3, 1. And before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I set you apart, before you were born, I set you apart, Jeremiah 1, 5. And I have called you by name. You are mine, Isaiah 43, 1. You see, the love of God is who you are. Let that sink in. The love of God is who you are. Becoming the beloved is the great spiritual journey that we are all on. It is both our origin and it's also our destiny. So how do we engage? How do we engage this becoming the beloved? Well, one of my favorite books is by Henry Nouwen, and it's called Life of the Beloved. And in it, he compares the journey of becoming God's beloved to the sacrament of Holy Communion, where we take bread, we bless it, we break it, and we give it out. So these four words, taken, blessed, broken, and given, are essentially a picture of the Christian life. So, Let's start with taken. We're going to look at these four words this morning. To become to be loved, first we have to claim for ourselves that we are taken by God. 
Another word for that might be chosen. We are chosen for, by God. We belong to him in Christ Jesus. So if you are hearing this message this morning, I am here to tell you that God is pursuing you. From all eternity, before you were born, you existed in God's heart. He saw you as precious and beautiful and of eternal value. So much so that he gave his only son so that he could be with you. The enemy of our soul would like us to believe that we are nothing special, that our lives will never amount to anything, that the things that we're doing, maybe we just aren't doing it well enough. We're not enough. But the truth is that your life and my life are one of a kind. No one has ever lived it before, and no one will ever live it again. God has created you with unique gifts and talents, with a personality, and he's given you experiences. You bring something to this planet that only you can bring. And God chose you specifically to bring it. Now, for a while, I hated this idea that God had chosen people because I would equate it with experiences of myself and others not being chosen, of being left out of things, of not making a sports team or not getting a job that I really wanted or not being invited to some social event or not being asked to the prom by the only boy in my high school who was taller than me. True story. I'm not bitter. I really am. <laughs> uh, but that is the mystery of God, that when in his perfect love he chooses it's something radically different. It's for the sake of community, and it is always for the good of others that we are chosen. It's not about leaving people out. It's about drawing people in and toward God's love. Our own realization about being chosen opens our eyes to the chosenness of others, and it gives us a deep desire to call out their unique place in God's heart. To claim this for ourselves is to claim it for our community, for our family, for our friends, for our coworkers, for our neighbors. So I ask you, have you crossed the line of faith this morning and claimed for yourself that you are taken, that you belong to God in Christ Jesus? This brings us to our second word, blessed. Now, social media has totally wrecked this word for me. I don't know about you. Let's take a look. Woke up next to a bucket of KFC this morning. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> and another, she's back. I just want to thank not only God, but Jesus. Taylor Swift is back on Spotify. It's a good thing. Hashtag blessed. And finally, if someone would have told me that I would someday live within walking distance of a Target and a Chipotle, I would not have believed it. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> now... <laughs> The true meaning of the word blessed has its root in the Latin word for benediction, which literally means to speak well over or say good things over someone. It's more than a simple compliment, but a deep affirmation of our God-given identity. A blessing touches the image of God in each one of us. So how do we receive God's blessing? For me, this happened in prayer. You see, as I launched onto this journey um, of becoming the beloved, 
my prayer life changed dramatically. It used to be that I would start with worship and then confession and then, you know, Thanksgiving, and then I would launch into this litany of prayer requests for myself and for others, and those are all good things. But you might notice that I am doing all of the talking during this time. So, at the request of my spiritual director, I changed things up a little bit. I began to start my prayer time in stillness, in a posture of listening, of quieting my thoughts, and being in the presence of God and in his love. I was essentially putting myself in a space to receive God's blessing. Now, I have to admit, when I first attempted this, in my mind's eye, God was not always looking upon me with love. (laughs) And in fact, I think sometimes I imagined that he might be standing there with his arms crossed, maybe just a little disappointed that some of those plates had hit the ground. But what I discovered was that my image of God needed healing. It needed to be set straight. You see, God is not surprised when we fall short. He's not surprised, and it does not change his love for us in the slightest. So as I learned to listen, I noticed something, and that was that God, his voice is always sweet and always full of love, even in times where I needed discipline or correction in some way. His voice always had a sweetness to it and a love to it, and there was a blessing even in that. So when we truly own that we're blessed, we can face the brokenness in our lives and in the lives of others. And that brings us to our third word, broken. We live in a broken world, let's face it. We all have brokenness in our life. We have pain and suffering. We could almost skip this part. It is so apparent, I think, but we're not going to. You see, no one gets out of this life without some sort of suffering and brokenness. We're living through the loss of loved ones, through financial issues. We're living through family dysfunction and relational difficulties and addiction and just brokenness in general. So how do we respond to brokenness? I think if we're honest, most of us probably would admit that we run the other way. If we can avoid or deny or even numb ourselves, we probably do. We use things like social media and shopping and excessive busyness and maybe spending too many hours at the office. But I'm here to tell you that brokenness is always an invitation to deeper intimacy with God, and to heart transformation. I want to say that again. Brokenness is always an invitation to deeper intimacy with God and to heart transformation. This is where we experience the true joy and suffering that we read about in the book of James. If we can press in, and rather than run to our happy place, to press into the pain or the suffering, and press into God in these times. Then we can experience what James says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know 
that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. That's James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Believe me when I tell you, though, this is not easy. As optimistic and positive as I am, I know this is not easy from experience. You see, I've had the opportunities in this season of my life to, uh, to, to experience this firsthand. My mom passed away in November of 2014 after a prolonged illness. She was in a nursing home for three years and was essentially non-communicative during that time, and that was really hard. They lived in Massachusetts, my mom and dad, and we lived here. And we had a son who was still in high school, who's here this morning, and also busy lives, grad school and jobs. And so we went, and we were with her when we could be. And I will say that when we were there, we pressed in. But the majority of the time, we were still here in Colorado, and my parents were there. And I guess looking back, I would say that I definitely busied myself and tried not to think about it too much. This never works, just so you know. <laughs> you will wake up in the night and think about these things, whether you busy yourself or not. And it's also just not a transformational thing to avoid. So six months later, after my mom passed away, my dad was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And we prayerfully decided that we did not want this to be this way. He was in Massachusetts again, we were here, and my husband and I invited him to come live with us and take his chemo treatments here. And he graciously said yes, and we're so thankful for that. So we had a time with him, and he went through four rounds of chemo, and then he became, at 83 years old, the oldest human being to ever have a stem cell transplant. So anybody who knows anything about stem cell transplants, it is no joke. And we were in some deep waters with him. But I will say that during that time, we pressed into each other, we pressed into God. We laughed and we cried and we had hard conversations and we prayed, man, did we pray, and so many of you prayed with us. We grew so close to my dad, which has just been a precious blessing, and also to the Lord. He's in, I'm happy to say he's in good health now, and he's actually in Massachusetts right now. He sold his house and he's moving out to Colorado full-time, which we're thrilled at. He is um, in remission, so just to add that caveat, not to be too much of a downer here. But I will just say that this was sacred space, especially in hindsight. Sometimes it's hard to see that when you're in it. But looking back, this was sacred space with my dad and with the Lord. And what it's allowed us to do is enter into deep waters with other people. Because we walked through it the way we did, we can sit with others in that space and just offer a listening ear and love and encouragement and hope. I'm not sure we've been made complete quite yet, but we definitely matured. We matured in our faith and we matured emotionally. And I will never regret that decision to have my dad with us during that time. You see, we're taken, we're blessed, and we're broken to be given. As the beloved ones, our greatest fulfillment comes from being bred for the world, of giving ourselves for the good of others. Now, what might come to mind when you think about giving yourself, maybe giving your unique talents, 
I greatly appreciate Charlie and his musical abilities in the band and just their gifts of leading worship. Or Lara and her graphic design talents, they do such a beautiful job. Or Tim and Susie and their teaching gifts. But the truth is that what they bring to our community is not what they do, but who they are. I mean, it's right for us to share our unique giftings. But more than that, to show up authentically in community. There's a difference between talents and gifts. Our talents are the things we have training and expertise in. It's right to share those, like I said, in community. But our gifts are the many ways that we express our humanity, our identity as God's beloved ones. It's showing up authentically in community and in relationship and bringing kindness and vulnerability, of bringing hope and peace and joy. These are the true gifts that we have to offer each other. When we give our very lives to one another, we become the community of love that God intends for us as believers. When we participate in this, we bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So in closing, I'd like to challenge you this morning to think about your own spiritual journey. As you approach the communion table, Think about these four words, taken, broken, blessed, given. Have you claimed for yourself that you are taken, that you belong to God in Christ Jesus? If not, would you take that step of faith today and respond to his invitation? Are you receiving from God the blessing that you are his beloved sons and daughters and if not, would you pray and ask God to speak his blessing over you this morning and listen? Are you giving yourself to others, sharing your humanity and offering hope? If not, would you pray that God would reveal the places where he would have you share your story authentically with others? You are God's beloved sons and daughters on whom his favor rests. Let's pray. God, we are your beloved children. I pray that this truth would take root deep in our spirits and would be reflected in everything we think, say, and do as we leave this place. Allow us to be bread for the world to give ourselves authentically. We lift up Susie to you this morning while she's on her sabbatical, and may she experience herself as God's beloved daughter in a new way during this time and find rest for her soul. God, thanks for this awesome community of faith. Thanks for our time together this morning in fellowship. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.